0: Hello and welcome to CCTV's Channel 17 Town Meeting Television. I'm Matt Kelly with another live candidate forum. On today's show, we'll be speaking with Kate Webb and Jessica Brumstead, Democratic State Representatives from Chittenden County Districts 51 and 52. Welcome to you both. Our uh, forum uh, uh, begins with opening statements from each candidate, and then as each candidate is uncontested in their respective races, we're just going to have a conversation over some serious topics that are facing the state of Vermont. From water quality of our lakes, rivers, and streams, our opiate epidemic. And many other uh, uh, issues facing the legislature. So we'll begin with you, Kate, with your opening statement. It's an opportunity for you to say why you're running for re-election and uh, talk about some of the accomplishments you've uh, uh, achieved in your uh, previous uh, uh, run.
1: Um, I, uh, I I have been in the legislature for ten years. And during that time, I worked on one of my passions, which was environmental issues, particularly related to water quality. Uh, During my first uh, six to eight years, I was actively involved in the water quality bill that finally came forward in 2014. Uh, The following year, I decided to switch to my other passion, which is children. Uh, And I decided to to, uh, bring forth my professional background which is actually in education. I currently serve on the House Education Committee where I am ranking member. Um, It's my desire to leave behind an environment that is healthy and one in which all children can thrive. I'm very concerned about the conversation at the national level related to public education. I'm a strong believer that public education is at the underpinnings of our democracy, and I'm interested in continuing that work.
0: Very good, Kate Webb, thank you so much. Jessica Brumstead, your opening statement as to why you're running for re-election and to speak about some of your accomplishments.
2: Um, so I represent Shelburne and St. George and I've only been in Montpelier for two years so I'm just running for my second session and I'm um, p- kind of pleased to not be running against anyone although not having anyone run also means that um, it erodes a little bit at our democracy. It's nice to have lots of people involved and um, that's one of the issues that I worked hard on last session was uh, the um, is introducing legislation that would um, improve civics in our country so that we I think there's a lot going on right now that would point to the need for more civics um, in our schools and even in our family kitchen tables. Um, Mm. I know that our family spends a lot of time talking about that. Mm. Um, I also worked um, in the past for Senator Jeffords. I worked for him for 12 years and spent a lot of time working on healthcare and various other legislative issues and so one of the things that really drew me to um, running for office is Helping people, working with the people in my district and other people throughout Vermont, I um, enjoy actually going door to door. So even though I'm not running against anyone this year, I'm already going door to door and learning more from my constituents than um, really anyone else. It's so interesting to hear all of the um, the things they think are going right and the things they they worry about. Um, and in my in Saint George. For example, there are four mobile homes, and a bunch of those mobile homes are up for sale, and so the folks inside of the mobile homes want to form a co-op and uh, participate and be able to really make decisions for their future there, and that's been really interesting. And So I spent some time last session um, working with the housing committees on how do we strengthen our laws around housing because this is an affordable, housing option um, that we don't talk a lot about, but is happening throughout our country. So um, all of those things, I also really am supportive of childcare and working hard to find affordable, accessible quality childcare for zero to three year olds, especially we've begun to do a lot of work in the three to five, but where um, the zero to three is incredibly important. And we know that 70% of all Vermont children um, have parents that both work
0: okay Uh, you've raised a lot of issues uh, in your opening statement Mm -hmm. Um, and I want to actually begin with something here that's actually sort of fundamental and you uh, initially touched on it both of you are unchallenged in your respective races does that speak to a candidate apathy that's pervasive in the, in the community? Or is it more that your constituents are very satisfied with the work that you are doing? Um, and Kate, we'll begin with you.
1: Um, I am running my sixth term. Five of those, I've been unopposed. Mm, yeah. So I, the fir- my first one, I, I was opposed. I, I beat an incumbent at that time. Mm. So I figure either people like what I'm doing mm. They don't feel they can beat me, or nobody wants my job, mm. <laughs> and it could be a combination of all of those. Sure. I, I stay in, in close touch with my community. Mm. Um, I wrote art, articles for the paper. Um, I take I answer my emails. The beauty of a small legislative um, you know a constituency is that I'm accessible, yeah. and people call me and meet with me. So
0: uh, I Jessica? think
1: I agree with Kate, and I also.
2: Believe that we're, we have a citizens' legislature, mm-hmm. so um, we don't pay a lot, and so it draws certain people who are able to leave their job for a little while and also represent. I think I think that makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, there are it it's self-selective because of that to some degree, and so it would be nice if we could look closer at why are so many races uncontended. Um, also, I think if you have little kids and you live far away, you have to essentially move to Montpelier. I I think that the weather in Montpelier is shocking to me. It <laughs> seems to always be snowing there, <laughs> even when it isn't back here. Mm. And for us, it's easy to go back and forth, but if you live in Wyndham County or um, all in the Northeast Kingdom, you really have to stay there four days a week. And so that's a, um, a commitment for people. So. I think it would be interesting to look a little more closely at our citizens legislature. Are we really, do we really have a citizens legislature and and what are the things we could do to help
0: mm-hmm. Very about good. that? Uh, just a reminder uh, to our uh, viewers out there we are streaming live uh, online at ch17.tv and you're welcome to dial in and ask a question of either candidate. Our phone number is 862-3966. Jessica we're gonna stick on this topic here um, and you had uh, Talked a little bit about um, some challenges uh, in the legislature here and one of the things that we had heard earlier was um, uh, From from some state uh, senators uh, Particularly the Senate president pro Tem Tim Ash has indicated that he thought maybe there should be a four-year term for the governor um, as a way to sort of change the dynamics of uh, campaigning uh, so that maybe there's an opportunity for a policy to actually get implemented and an opportunity to see if it can work. Your thoughts on that, and then we'll follow up with you uh, as well. Uh, yes,
2: I, um, I think that's a wonderful idea, actually, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I did talk with folks about in my first term when I was um, running for office and going door to door, asking people, what, do they, what would they think about that? Um, people like it. They like having a little more continuity in the executive branch, um, a little more ability to really get to know what are the policies that our governor is trying to drive and um, can he or she um, have more of an opportunity to push forward things that really matter rather than thinking about what will get me reelected. and so I believe that's a good point. But the other piece of that I believe is that you also have to look at should we have term limits? Should we, you know, in our in our state, as far as the governor goes, we haven't had long-term governors. It seems that they are, are here. It's a hard, I think it's a hard job. And so maybe that's not necessary, but there's a question in general, I think, about term limits. I know in Washington, People are talking about it a lot right now, Mm -hmm. and so I think um, all of that would be a good discussion. Do Mm -hmm. you make some um, parts of the legislative branch or the executive branch um, have a longer time in between running, and then also would we look at whether or not there should be term limits? Mm -hmm. Those are are all really good questions, and you hope that the public would be engaged in wanting to talk about it with us. Mm
0: Kate you have been in the legislature a lot longer so I would imagine that you have a different uh, viewpoint or perhaps a little bit uh, more informed of a viewpoint from your years uh, in the legislature. Uh, A four-year term for the governor do you think that's a good idea? I
1: I would support a four-year term. I think it's uh, very much uh, it's it's a challenge for the governor to set an administration where people are maybe going to be working for 18 months um, I think it's. I think that we saw some of the problems of a four-year, of a, a two-year term this year in what happened with our budget mm. and, and education, where the governor is coming in and at the end of April with cool new ideas, and it's really late mm. to come in with that. Um, so I am, in, I am in support of a four-year term. I do believe that representatives need to remain in a two-year term. Mm. I think it's kind of a, a, a mid-check that we need. If people don't like what the governor's doing, then they can often make changes there. I uh, would say that I, I do not necessarily agree with Jessica about um, term limits. I think that voters decide term limits. I know every year we have in a body of hundred and fifty we can have anywhere from we, about a quarter of the body will change anyway. Um, I think uh, that having the institutional knowledge of people who have been there longer, we're, we're losing some institutional knowledge this year that I am really going to be sorry to lose. Mm. Um, so I think that term limits are set by the voters.
0: Mm, very good. Uh, we're going to continue on that with you Kate. <clears throat> And that goes back to uh, legislative priorities. And uh, you, you talked about the governor and the fact that you know he came in with ideas at kind of the last minute, maybe too late, and whatnot. Was that the problem here again? That it was a two-year term and that it prevented or it it, it caused this funding crisis? Where was the breakdown that that we got? you know, close to shutting down the state government for the first time in our state's history?
1: Yeah, um, I think that there, there are a couple of things. One is coming in with a large change very late in the session. Mm. And the other is just a fundamental difference as to what we do with one-time money. Mm. Um, the uh, legislature on a vote of, I think that only there were 17 against it out of 150. Um, Agreed that the best thing to do with one-time money is you either this is money that's just coming in that one year, it's not coming again, this is not an increase in in revenue, this is a one-time event, that that's best used to um, pay down debt. Mm -hmm best used to invest in the future, Mm. best used to uh, set aside for a rainy day, to prepare for a downturn. That's what you do in an upturn. that's economic 101. And even the conservative Ethan Allen Institute thought that we were correct on that. Mm. Um, The governor instead chose to stick with his his campaign promise of no new taxes, no new fees. My feeling is that um, the, the property tax is set by voters already in that uh, you vote for your school budget if the budget goes up you're probably going to pay more. Mm. Um, so I think that he took away that learning that voters needed to have about what it means when they vote for their school budget and what they're seeking for. So
0: uh, so uh, Jessica your follow-up on this as well the priorities of the governor where was the breakdown uh, uh, and that led us to a near shutdown of the government. What were your thoughts?
2: I, as a new member, so I had never had an opportunity to see how it's supposed to work. Mm. Um, And so it was different that the governor, we we worked pretty hard from January all the way through till spring. And then all of a sudden towards the end around late March, early April, we heard what the budget, what the governor had hoped to put forward in the budget. And that was, um, that meant a lot of quick learning. Mm. um, And the the real disappointment for me one of the things i ran on was trying to work together with both parties Mm and We also have the progressive party and the independents and being able to all work together and roll up our sleeves and try and figure out how we're gonna do things better. And so it was a little disappointing to get it so late that we didn't have that opportunity to really work on things together, come up with compromises, go back and forth, say, what do you think about this versus that? And really from my work in the past with Senator Jeffords, that was one of his biggest um, pushes always was that he was one of the guys who could work on both sides mm. of the aisle and was always able to come to compromise mm. so it was disapp- it was a disappointing year and even in my first year the same thing happened there was a late budget we were able to pull it together and we didn't end up with such a um, threat quite as bad of a thrash mm. at the very end but but it was um, it was difficult, and all of my colleagues keep telling me, this is never what it's really yeah, like, yeah. honest.
0: <laughs> so I'm going to follow up on that a little bit with you here, in that uh, the Democrats in the state legislature are really mounting an effort here to uh, obtain a veto-proof majority. Um, can you speak to that in, in, uh, and draw the context to prevent what just happened uh, this past legislative session?
2: Well. I hope that I, it would be great. I, I would assume to have a supermajority. I wouldn't know. I haven't been there to see how it works, How, but I understand the concept. And I, the worry I have is that you don't want to use that if you don't have to. You want to be able to work together so that you come up with something that both parties like, because it's really not about parties in the end, it's about issues and it's about all of the people that we represent and I think most people that you talk to see themselves as an independent Vermonter mm-hmm. and so we we need to be careful that we don't use that card too easily, that we have to be sure that we are getting to a place that works for both, for everyone in Vermont um, and I, I believe that that is, could be a little more difficult when you know that you have that, you have that ability. Mm-hmm. So we're, we will have to be more, I hope what it means is we'll work a lot harder to get it right the first time and feel really good about what we do and the Republicans will feel really good about that too so that there won't be a veto because they'll realize that we really did work together on this and we're trying to make this the best we can for Vermont
0: a uh, veto-proof majority, is that the best for Vermont? Kate Webb?
1: That's a, a, a challenging thing to answer. I don't think that it's ever good to have it, have it such that that is the case. Unless you have circumstances in which uh, things that are happening are really uh, being forced through and then you need someone to really hold the line and say no. Uh, bear in mind that the budget we passed was supported by all the leadership, Republican leadership in the committees that were working you know very hard on those issues ways and means appropriations education the Republicans were supporting everything that we did mm. um, and I think there's even a question of how much access they have to the governor um, there's a question as to um, they're required to meet instead with his staff and never with him you might have to verify that from what I've said <laughs> there, from them. Yeah. But uh, it was my observation that they didn't have the access to the governor, but access to the staff. Yeah. And um, so I am so concerned, I was just reading, you know, that he's looking at the cradle to grave education. That's great, but how does that fit into use of the Ed Fund, our pre-K through 12 education? And I stand very concerned about people trying to pick in at that We spent um, the last year doing really good work of cleaning up the Ed Fund so that it really was covering pre-K education, it wasn't covering your property taxes, not covering adult education, it's not covering the Community High School of Vermont, it's covering pre-K education, uh, pre-K through 12 education. I stand very concerned about that. Um, If we can have a good Conversation and don't need to get to that level to the nuclear option. That would be everybody's preference.
0: Um, so we've talked a, a lot about uh, state governance here, um, uh, vetoes, uh, constitutional amendments, if you will. Let's get now into some of the nuts and bolts here with the remaining time that we have about some of the specific issues that are uh, impacting Vermonters. And I. Uh, want to begin with you, Kate, because for me personally uh, I echo what you had said that it seems to me that the environment climate change and our lakes waters and streams are the most important thing to the state of Vermont that relies primarily on tourism uh, can you speak to what is going on in the legislature to address water quality not just in the lake Champlain but in the whole uh, water basin of this great state and what you feel needs to be done that isn't being done.
1: Well it's very clear that we can't keep kicking the can down the road. I really feel that it's imperative upon us now to deal with the situation that's been going on for a hundred years, over a hundred years and we have um, a hundred years of negative impacts and we have groups that have built around that Um, our municipalities in the wastewater treatments that were designed, agricultural methods that that were put forward, development practices, our expectations there, we aren't going to be able to turn that around on a dime. Mm. So that's going to require some money. We're going to have to help those groups to be able to make the transition to best practices. Um, a A report that came in in 2011, right around the time of Tropical Storm Irene, came up with 40 different funding Uh, mechanisms. This has been reviewed pretty intensely by our um, treasurer and I think that we need to to start uh, work on that and I think the first step is um, the people that pollute have to pay. Who are those people? It is all of us. Mm. If you drive on the road, you're polluting. Mm. If you have a roof on your house, you're probably polluting. Unless you have rain gardens. If you're a farmer and you're doing conventional agriculture, you're probably polluting. I think that's the first cut. I think the second cut is probably on those industries that are really going to benefit from having a clean environment. I live, you know, right near the banks of Lake Champlain and I get to look out and see beautiful water with sailboats and, you know, the, the ferry boats going down, it's, it's, everybody's happy. Now turn that into a green, slime, smelly, toxic lake and see what that's going to do to our environment and I bet that the people who uh, have their businesses built on that would be willing to step up. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a hard conversation and we and, have to have it.
0: And so just to be clear here when yeah. you talk about that people are going to have to pay or, or yeah. certain groups are going to have to pay you're talking about fees and you're talking about taxes, whether it yeah. be a tax on some sort of fertilizer or something like that, is am I understanding yes. this correctly?
1: We actually, a few years ago in the Water Quality Bill, tried to pass an excise tax on fertilizer, mm-hmm. the fertilizer that people are buying mm-hmm. that brings phosphorus <laughs> onto yeah. the lands, sure. that we don't need more of it. <laughs> we need to do something with what we already have. Okay. And that died, The conventional agriculture mm-hmm. group um, just didn't want to do that. So, so it, these are hard conversations that we're gonna need to have.
0: Mm-hmm. Taxes and fees, Jessica, to uh, uh, make sure that our water quality is safe for generations to come? Yeah,
2: I think that this is a critical issue, as we've just said, absolutely. And um, one of the, I think that it's not even just the waterways, the lakes and the rivers and the tributaries, but also our groundwater. Mm-hmm. We're hearing now of people's wells being infected with all kinds of Um, problems so we really this is a huge problem and in some ways we really need to look to the federal government to help us as well and they have been helpful and they're willing to be more helpful if we show that we are willing to put some money in as well so I think it's really important and I know that um, our delegation in Washington is um, very attuned to this issue and trying to bring whatever they can to Vermont to help us out um, and also our treasurer, as um, Kate talked about, she identified, has identified money to get mm-hmm. a jump on cleanup, um, extra dollars in our capital budget Last the last couple of years. It's amounted to about 25 million that has gone to that. And we've also had a property transfer tax and, and about an, another 10 million from that. Um, over the past five years, we've captured a little more um, unclaimed bottle money, so we're trying everywhere to get what we can that's already out there and not have to come up with a new tax and an, or a new fee. But this is incredibly important to our state, to tourism, and even to agriculture, because everyone likes to say that this is the farmer's problem. Well, it's really all of our problem, and um, we need to help farmers to think about how to get to um, another maybe doing some different things as well besides just dairy and so that that's also another piece of our the in funding that we need to think about how do we help farmers transition to different um, different niche type industries agriculture
0: and so we're going to continue on that if you don't mind and we'll uh, begin uh... with you jessica on that transitioning to other types of crops or other industries does hemp or marijuana Uh, cultivation uh, play into that as a potential uh, switch for farmers to get to a more uh, uh, sustainable form of uh, production?
2: Possibly, that's a a really good question that I hadn't even thought about actually. I know that we need to be looking at our marijuana bill from um, last session. There are a lot of issues around tax and regulate, but also growing, I mean one of the things I had talked with someone at the CVU, at our Champlain Valley Union School, about whether or not there should be, um, the way we buy our vegetables through a C, is it a CSA, Mm -hmm. or a C,
1: um,
2: that could you buy um, marijuana that way and have it be more controlled that way? Who knows, I mean, who knows, but I think that all of these sorts of issues are important for us to put on the table as we re-look at um, marijuana this coming Session, I um, and when I talk about the when I had talked about the new the transition to niche mm-hmm. um, things as well. I mean our cheeses are known yeah. all over the country. I was in Europe this our summer. Beers are as well. Yeah, and our beer. But I'm just thinking about farmers well, and I the
0: mean, hops. They could certainly. That's true. Hop, yeah,
2: so. we, they tried in Charlotte, and I guess they're moving now to. Okay. Um, So,
0: Kate, let me uh, follow up with you on this. Uh, Transition, does marijuana and hemp cultivation here in the state of Vermont represent a potential transition opportunity for farmers to uh, go to a more sustainable crop here?
1: I think that hemp actually is very good for water, (laughs) For, for starters. Um, and it, I would expect that we're going to see more on marijuana this coming session. But what I would say is the working lands bill that we, that, that we passed many years ago that actually provides small grants to farmers to, to use to either uh, study something, buy equipment, do value-added processes that they hadn't done before. But I would add another thing that we need to look at our farms to do, and that's carbon sequestration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My husband was in Austria, and they are way ahead of us on this and they actually have ways to pay farmers to sequester carbon. Mm. Um, In the process, guess what else that does? It creates a nice, spongy soil that's really good for absorbing water. So if we can find a way, um, and I think that there's some people that are thinking about this, to actually pay farmers for what they're doing um, would be another way to use our agricultural soils for really good purpose.
0: Some wonderful uh, ideas and conversations shared here uh, today. We'll ask our candidates to wrap up now with their final statements about what they expect and hope to see in the uh, legislature in the uh, following two years. Um, And Jessica, we'll begin with you.
2: I think that we will see in the coming session, a lot of the legislation that was vetoed last year that we'll probably be talking about Um, again this year, things like paid leave and um, minimum wage um, that we'll definitely be talking about. I also have been working all summer on the whole childcare, that zero to three group. And is it possible for us to look at ways to help both parents as well as the um, childcare providers that are making such little money that it's hard to keep them in the in the business, and yet then parents who really want to be able to work and are we know our un, um, unemployment rate is very low, and that um, businesses are having a hard time hiring good employees, but then um, you know a woman has. Um, her first child and cannot find child care and then cannot afford it. So you end up losing one of them to staying home with the baby. So we really need to seriously look at that this coming session. Um, and paid leave to me is a very big deal. It's a true safety net, and um, I just believe that we've got to we got to go back and look at that again. It's um, Super important for Vermonters to know that when, either when they get sick, or more importantly, a friend of mine's daughter, who was only two years old, found out she had leukemia, and she wanted to be able to be at the hospital every day with her baby, of course, and yet she was worried about keeping her home because of the mortgage, so paid leave would really help her out. So those are some important things
1: I hope we take up in the coming session.
0: And uh, Kate, uh, what uh, are your hopes and expectations for the next two years in the legislature?
1: I think we'll be seeing something about carbon sequestration and regenerative agriculture. I, I know that we will be seeing something about ethnic studies mm-hmm. in our schools. Um, we have uh, three pre-K studies coming in. I expect that to be coming forward, not this year, but the next the following year. Uh, I expect the budget to be another thing where we're going to be i'm I'm hoping we aren't going to have the same fight and uh among and again the, the things that were vetoed in the past I would expect to see minimum wage and and paid leave to come forward again. Very good. It's off the top of my head, I know there's more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well my thanks to you both for uh, joining us here today for a wonderful conversation and I thank you so much for your service as well it takes a lot of courage to actually uh, run for office to put your uh, values up to the voter and then to actually go to the uh, state legislature and uh, try to draw consensus. A reminder that you can Go to our website, ch17.tv, to check out a list of all the upcoming candidate forums for the 2018 general election. And a reminder that early voting has already begun throughout our great state of Vermont. You can easily just call your uh, local town clerk, request a ballot, complete the ballot, and mail the ballot. It's that simple. For all of us at Channel 17, I'm Matt Kelly for Town Meeting Television. Thank you for watching.